This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Hub podcast. And we are mid-November... Rut, whitetail ruts rolling, mule deer ruts hot on its tail and kind of rolling as well. Uh, this episode, I've got uh, someone from the Wyoming Game and Fish just wanted to dive into some options for Wyoming. It's actually not too late and or not too early to uh, be thinking about next year. And if you hunt Wyoming, there's a good reason why you need to start thinking about next year. So this is kind of an intro for those of you who have never hunted Wyoming, have thought about it, and just to give us some of those nuts and bolts on that, because I really had no idea on a few things. So this was a, a good episode to, to start uh, talking about another Western state. The uh, Hoyt Axius. That's a 28 to 30 inch draw, 60, 70 pound right hand Kuyu camo bow that we're giving away slash fundraising uh, for the podcast. That is still sitting right here next to me. So I'm going to be giving that away. We've got a few more weeks left. Your odds are still pretty good. They're pretty darn good. Uh, I've got uh, some names in the hat now. So thank you to all of you who have sent 20, 40, 60 bucks. Appreciate that. Again, it's $20 per entry. Uh, so uh, keep those coming through PayPal or Venmo. I know that limits you a little bit, but get with the times. Venmo is pretty nice to have, and PayPal has been around for a long time. So Venmo is at Clint Whitley, and PayPal is clint.a.whitley at gmail.com. Also in the show notes down below if you need to look at those, those links. Must be 18 and also must be in the lower 48. And I'll hold that drawing a second week in December. So yeah, we guess we got about a month to go or just a little less. So there's still plenty of time there. I'll have that bow sent off to the winner before 
Christmas. So you'll get it by Christmas. So, uh, otherwise, everything's going great. Just shot a nice little buck this morning. And a few does, filled some tags. Still have a decent amount of tags to go. So, uh, working on trying to find a really good buck in for my one tag and trying to find anything for my archery tag. So, hope everything else is going well for you guys and you're having a good time in the woods. Thanks. I want to thank you for your time. And if you would, real quick, just introduce yourself, what your position is with Wyoming Game and Fish Department, and what you do. My name is Sarah Dorenzo. I'm the public information officer for Wyoming Game and Fish Department. Um, my role is to provide information to the public about um, anything that goes on with Wyoming Game and Fish. Oh, perfect. Yeah, we have a similar relationship with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I got a guy down there, Randy, that I chat with all the time and just kind of hear what's going on, get an update from him because that's kind of where the the podcast started was in Colorado and, and now I'm over in uh, Western South Dakota. And Wyoming is has been my neighbor state for my whole life and really haven't hunted it. Just drove through it a few times and always kind of was on my list for giving, giving some attention as to hunting Wyoming. Uh, been putting in for antelope points there for a few years now and should be able to draw something pretty decent in the next couple of years. And I uh, just wanted to look at what opportunities exactly there might be for, say, times like this. I know we're almost, it's November, like two days from now. So seasons are over. Um, some are still going. Many are going. Deer seasons are probably kicking up here. Uh, but what are some of those during the year seasons that we can look forward to maybe for next year? Or say we have a spur of the moment uh, we want to try and come hunting something now that don't require a ton of, or don't require the general application. You can just buy them over the counter or leftover. What are some of those opportunities that, that Wyoming has? So for big game right now, um, non-residents are pretty limited in their opportunities. I mean, like you mentioned, following the draw and this late in the season, what we have left over that folks can purchase is extremely limited. But um, there are a few areas um, that folks could look at. Um, those are all listed on the Game and Fish website on what we call the, the leftover license list. And so anyone who's pursuing an opportunity right now should check that out. Um, be aware though, that if you're looking to hunt in some of those leftover areas now, the reason that they're leftover is because there's a reason, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the access might be extremely difficult. The private land, uh, permission factor could come into play heavily. And so, um, all of that should be taken into consideration before you invest, um, in a license. If you're a resident, you have a kind of a different opportunity um, because um, if you haven't already, you know, drawn a full price license, you as a Wyoming resident can purchase um, a general deer license or uh, or and um, a general elk license. And so if you're a resident, there's pretty good opportunity for you to still get out and hunt big game sort of spur of the moment, if you would. Um, but pretty limited as we wind down the season. Most folks, um, if you don't have a license now, are sort of forecasting and planning for 2022 hunts. 
and this might be a good opportunity to, you know, just remind folks that, you know, preference point deadline is November 1st. Right. So um, if you are a non-resident and you're thinking about big game hunting, preference points are really important if you want to get into some of these harder to draw areas for a full price license. And that is sort of your bucks and bulls. Um, the reduced price licenses for doe fawn and cow calf, that's a uh, random draw for both residents and non-residents of their own individual um, allocations. So um, don't need preference points for that. But if you're looking for, you know, um, one of those uh, hunts for a buck or a bull, then preference points are pretty important for non-residents. Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day. Went and bought my elk, deer, and antelope license just the other, or preference point just the other day, just to make sure I had those for future years. And don't really have plans to go elk or deer or even apply for a specific unit for some time. But I figure, why not plan for seven, eight years down the road and be able to draw something kind of neat? And antelope, antelope license—that's always something I've wanted to do. And obviously, one of your guys's highlights is is antelope, just with your numbers and quality. So, um, for the making our 2022 plans, uh, what are some of those deadlines and, and things to keep in mind there? Sure. So for, uh, 2022, uh, you know, the, the deadlines start rolling in pretty quickly. Um, the, you know, applications, um, open the first business day in January, typically. So I think that would be, uh, January, sorry, I was pulling up a calendar. That would be likely January 3rd, coming back at the beginning of the year is when those applications open. Um, a critical deadline for non-residents though, is there's only, um, there's a, a short application period for non-resident elk. Um, non-resident elk has just the month of January, so until January 31st to apply. Um, so non-residents who are looking forward to an elk hunt should probably start planning right away. Start researching um, on the Game and Fish website using the hunt planner combined with some of the preference points and draw reports as well as harvest reports that might help guide some decision-making about exactly where you'd like to go and where you'd like to put your application. Um, the other thing that folks should know about Wyoming is that when you apply for your license in Wyoming, you pay for the license up front. Um, and then when we have our draw, if you are unsuccessful, we refund that to you. Um, but if you are successful, we keep, you know, we retain that, mm -hmm. that fee. So know that you have to pay for it up front um, and that it's a pretty short turnaround. Um, Following that, though, um, the the big game deadlines are are pretty liberal. The the elk deadline's quick, but after that, um, the uh, deadline for deer and pronghorn is just um, at the um, end of May. Hmm. Yeah, I knew I I had kind of seen some of those those uh, those dates, but not the elk one, uh, which is kind of interesting to see. Uh, so actually timeliness of our podcast here going out in November, cause we are going to, folks are going to miss the November 1st deadline for a preference point, but, uh, mm -hmm. timeliness of this is good. You actually got to get rolling with some planning. If Jan if January is where you're looking at doing some research and, uh, needing to apply, is there opportunity for non-residents with zero points or do we need to have points? 
So there's always a chance that you could draw a license with zero points because of the way and the structure of the draw. It does allow, um, even if you don't have any points, this uh, there is a, a section of licenses that are allocated to a completely random possibility. So if you don't have any points, there is a statistical chance that you could draw. But in general, um, you do need preference points to draw a bull license. Even a general license, we offer um, a general license for non-residents. And um, tracking in the past with data, it takes about two to three preference points to draw a general license. And that's the sort of the entry level license when it comes to full price. Um, after that, depending on the area that you're in, um, the amount of preference points changes from there. So um, it really does behoove people to spend time looking at those drawing odds because, I mean, one of the things that we see and one of the main downfalls that we, we uh, hunters make in their applications is just applying for places where there's absolutely no chance um, of drawing and or putting their second choice as somewhere that even doesn't even have a chance to draw for your first choice. So um, some some really uh, smart application techniques that hunters can apply is to just research those areas, um, smartly accumulate your preference points. And while you're doing that, if you've never been hunting in Wyoming before, I mean, like I said, a random draw for a cow-calf is a really good opportunity to um, take a lower price license, um, get outside in Wyoming and explore some of the places that you might want to, um, you know, use your preference points later, uh, get a feel for the landscape, get a feel for how the elk move. Um, so there's there's still plenty of, of good opportunity for folks, but when it comes to, you know, drawing a bull license without any preference points, you will be challenged by that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, uh, for youth, is there some, some good opportunities for youth resident and non-resident? So youth compete in the same draws as all other hunters. The youth opportunity is that it's a lower price license. The other opportunity for youth is, is you can start accumulating preference points when you are, um, of age to hunt big game. So, um, you know, the, the opportunities, remain the same, um, regardless of age, but price on that's reduced, which is nice. That's very nice. Uh, yep. The, the price point is what changes with youth, but you know, um, some, you know, there are other ways, you know, that, um, you know, overall people can, can better their odds and hunt together, you know, as a family sometimes, especially, um, if you have a group of people coming from out of state is to apply as a party. Um, you can apply as a party. You have to, everyone has to enter the same application if they do it as a party. So all non-residents or all resident hunters. And in the case of non-residents, if you have preference points within your party, those points are averaged. So, um, you know, if you have a group of people or a family who wants to come out and a couple people have preference points, you might be, be able to better your odds in a draw um, you know, than you would individually by averaging those points within your party. Right. And I, I'm, I'm glad you, you clarified that because I have a buddy with uh, eight antelope points and I have four. And we kind of talked about, well, we're not really making plans to go, but maybe we'd make plans to go together and then we'd average them out and we both could probably draw a pretty decent tag. 
uh, on in depending yeah, on the so, unit, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is an opportunity for some people. It also can be, you know, disappointing in some ways if you don't know about it, and then mm-hmm. you average your preference yeah. points and accidentally use them. But everyone in the party has to apply for the same license, so that means everyone would have to, you know, everyone in the party would have to apply for a general license or a Type One in the same area um, in order for that to be effective. Um, but the good thing about party hunting is if you draw, you all draw, and if you right. um, if you don't all draw, then you retain your preference points and, um, you know, move on to the your next opportunity. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com So uh, can you give me the, the real quick rundown on how licenses are allocated? Just true preference point system. You said there's still statistically a chance, so even someone with zero might still get a chance. Or how does how are those... It's not a cube system or anything or a squared system or bonus point. Just the the real quick on that. Um, sure. I honestly, the, our, our draw system is extremely complicated and it varies from species <laughs> yeah. to species. So, oh, but, you sure. know, the most, um, you know, in, in the most brief sense, we have, um, you know, a, a quota of licenses that we set out for each hunt area and, when the draw is done, um, it you know the the top things to know are there is a resident non-resident split, and so in most cases there's a you know a bulk of licenses that are allocated to non-residents, and then there's licenses that are allocated to residents, and those draws um, are independent of each other. Um, so uh, residents do their draw, non-residents do their draw. At times when um, you know, when, when residents don't enter um, all of their, uh, you know, they don't draw out all of the licenses in the resident quota, there are times where those will roll over to the non-residents. Um, but essentially what you need to know is there are two, two different quotas of licenses and separate for residents and non-residents. And you will, um, non-residents have preference points. And so preference points work by sort of setting you up in a queue. Like if you have seven points and I have five points, then you're ahead of me in the draw. Um, The other thing that you should know is that there's a first, second, and third choice. And the way that we look at it is we draw everyone's first choice first, and then the second choice, and then the third choice. So what that means is, um, you know, you can, you can use your first, second, and third choice in really um, strategic ways. If you put in your first choice, put always in a choice of exactly where you want to hunt because there is a chance you could draw that. Um, but you know, it's not going to benefit you to put the same hunt area in your first, second and third choice, because if you didn't draw it in your first choice, you're definitely not going to draw it on the second or third choice because that means there were no licenses left over. Um, and that's how it works. Like when we go through the second choices, we see, well, what wasn't drawn out on the first choice. And so, um, if you're planning for your hunt, you can look through and see in the drawing odds which areas did not get completely drawn out on the first choice, and that would be a good place for your second choice. Okay. 
Um, other than that, that, you know, um, you know, we do the, we do those full draws and then, um, whatever is remaining after that initial draw goes into the leftover draw, the leftover draw combines all the leftover licenses, residents and non-residents are in the same draw. Um, and it's random. And then, um, following that draw, we have what we're in now, which is the leftover leftovers first come first serve, um, buy over the counter. Got it. Okay. Uh, so is, what other opportunities besides the general big game deer, elk, antelope, are there, could we be looking at, uh, mountain lion opportunities, small game, be interested to know, small game, upland bird, kind of what, what are some of those, those opportunities and like what areas of the state would you consider? And obviously lions are probably all over but is there maybe eastern wyoming better for say some pheasant or grouse or i'm really not even sure i'm speaking asking completely ignorant on on what's available um and i guess let's start with lions what's what's available for that sure so the lion license um you know it's a you can it's a statewide license um and it's an over-the-counter license so anyone can buy that license you don't have to apply for it Um, but it runs off a mortality quota. So in each area of the state, um, there'll be, um, sort of a, you know, a number set of harvest and hunters who, um, you know, are pursuing lions would have to call in and check to make sure that the quota hasn't been met. Sure. And then if it, if the area hasn't been closed because of the mortality quota, then you're, you're free to to pursue that's the same system that we have for black bear hunting too so those are two licenses that um residents and non-residents can purchase and and hunt as long as the the quota is open um best part of the states for that sort of stuff is you know all over i mean when it comes to the the habitat that's really where um hunters should focus we do have a process in place um for black bear where you can register a bait site every year um, if, and um, work around that. But those are both statewide licenses that um, have a lot of opportunity um, all over Wyoming. Um, you can also apply for um, wild bison. Wild bison hunting is generally um, confined to the Jackson area. Some, some of the areas stand closer to Cody and a little bit further um, south of Jackson, but generally that hunting happens around um, the National Elk Refuge. Yeah. Um, but um, still, still a really good hunt. Um, and then, of course, we have some excellent premier species when it comes to bighorn sheep hunting. Um, that's generally um, over on the, the the western part of the state where. Um, bighorn sheep reside. Um, there are some areas um, where bighorn sheep live over in the um, the Laramie region as well. Okay. Um, you can also pursue a mountain goat. That's in the western part of Wyoming as well, in the Jackson Cody area. And um, when it comes. Sorry. No, ahead. I was just going to ask about that. So for some of the the sheep's another story, but for mountain goat, uh, are are you looking at for non-resident a lot of those being a, a 
20, 25 year, or is it, you think you can drop, maybe draw on that, that five to 10 year period? The mountain goat doesn't have any preference points associated with it. Oh, sorry, I missed that. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's a random draw. I don't think I mentioned it, but yeah, that's a random draw. So, um, you know, the, it's a one, you know, once in a lifetime license, but it's a random draw. Mm Bighorn sheep, that is um, that is run on a preference point, so that does take a little bit more time. Um, uh, bison, random as well, though. But that um, has some uh, harvest and license draw limitations. If you harvest a bull, it's once in a lifetime, but um, you, that, that doesn't require preference points. The other species that requires preference points for... Um, both residents and non-residents, similar to bighorn sheep, is moose. And moose hunting is, you know, widely sought after in Wyoming. There's many mm-hmm. places throughout the state that you can pursue moose. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to small game, kind of let's go with upland bird, I would say. I mean, there's rabbits and squirrels all over the place, but uh, upland birds uh, – Maybe maybe some folks are looking for sage grouse. Is that something that that is huntable in Wyoming? We do have a sage grouse season. It's really limited and small, but you can um, hunt sage grouse. Um, those areas um, are, you know, throughout the state in in key areas. But um, it's a short hunt, but we've seen a lot of success with it, and it does. Um, you know, we found that hunting doesn't uh, negatively impact the population of sage grass, so we're happy to continue to maintain those seasons. Hmm. Yeah. Uh... Um, but uh, some of that hunting takes part in the northeast portion of the state, but like I said, the seasons are really limited and up to, you know, really conservative seasons. Yeah. What about, what about... Um, but for... for... Go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask about pheasants and grouse to see if is that is that very popular. Um, kind of what 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 seems to be the temperature gauge on on that. Sure. So you know, when it comes to grouse hunting, there's uh, lots of different types of grouse species throughout the state, and um, you can find them in forested areas. I mean, sharp tail live um, on the plains. And so there's lots of good opportunity to pursue grouse in Wyoming, uh, regardless of where you live. When it comes to pheasants, pheasants aren't native to the state of Wyoming. And so we have two game bird farms that raise pheasants. Um, and we will stock those. Um, and some of the game and fish owned um, property and also several walk-in areas throughout the state. So people who are interested in Pheasant hunting should check the Game and Fish website to see where we stock those birds and where they can head out to pursue them. Oh, very interesting. Um, and maybe I'd be one of the few leaving South Dakota to look for a pheasant in Wyoming, but just wanted to ask the question as to kind of what's out there. I never know. Maybe that's something you can tack onto a, a hunt and and uh, to chase after some sharp tails as well. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good opportunity. If you're already going to be out here for big game hunting, I mean, why not try to pursue, you know, blue grouse, rough grouse, um, chucker, partridge, sharp tail. I mean, 
there's a wide variety of game birds that you can pursue. Um, and it's really fun <laughs> to hunt grouse and some of those smaller species. It's not as much pressure as a big game hunt is. And so even if you're, even with kids, you know, you might need a break and a little bit of success to power you through the next day. It's always a good opportunity. And I'm actually glad you mentioned this, like, overlaying of, you know, if you're already out hunting, what else can you do when you're outside? What if you harvest early? The other thing is, is that um, if you have a full price elk license as a non-resident, that comes with fishing privileges. And so bring your fishing stuff. Um, oh, sure. If you're hunting in the fall in Wyoming, it's one of the best times to be fishing, too. I mean, we have a lot of fall spawning fish species, so really good opportunity to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, my last question for you is totally off the, what we're talking about, but I'm, I'm really curious about maybe some of the projects that the department has going on. What's, what's new and big or, uh, what's, what's you guys' focus right now? Sure. So I'm glad you asked that because we have a couple of, um, big research projects that we ask hunters to help us with um, throughout the year. And one of the top priorities for us right now is monitoring chronic wasting disease. Um, chronic wasting disease um, is a disease that we've been tracking, monitoring, and um, managing for 20 years now in Wyoming. And so we are, um, our ask for hunters have continued to grow to ask them to you know, please submit their uh, lymph node sample from their harvested elk and, and deer for testing. And in some areas in Wyoming, we have two hunt areas where it's actually mandatory now to submit those samples. Um, and it's a big ask of hunters, but I mean, the information that hunters provide us when it comes to chronic wasting disease is invaluable. We could not collect the amount of data that we do on chronic wasting disease if it wasn't for hunters who are contributing those samples. So um, the same goes for brucellosis sampling. We have several target areas to monitor brucellosis and elk throughout Wyoming, and we ask a um, select group of hunters um, in those targeted areas to please submit a blood sample from their harvested elk. And that's another, you know, ask that we have of hunters. But um, it, it's a huge help when hunters take the time to submit those biological samples and it truly benefits the wildlife in Wyoming and helps us with our management decisions. And so those are two top projects that we have going on right now. Hmm. Um, but, but outside of, you know, hunters, um, hunter specific, um, projects, you know, we're always continuing some, some big research on, um, you know, understanding wildlife movements and helping to prevent wildlife vehicle collisions. I think it hurts every hunter's heart when they see um, an animal that has died as a result of a vehicle collision on the side of the road. Um, and I think everyone who's driven on a road probably has had an, ex an encounter with wildlife in that way or knows somebody who has. And so it's one of our top priorities to learn out more about the movements of wildlife and develop projects that um, keep wildlife and people safe on the road. Um, mm -hmm. And so as hunters are traveling through Wyoming or anyone, like right now is the time that wildlife is on the move and hunters know that for sure. Um, but as uh, much awareness is any traveler can have and just um, slow down, watch for wildlife and know that we're trying to create safer passages for wildlife with um, 
easier fence crossings, overpasses, underpasses, and helping divert wildlife to places where they can more safely cross the road is a big priority for us right now. Yeah, we spoke with uh, one of the regional guys in Colorado where there's, they're doing a lot of those overpasses and in the wintering grounds and said it just reduced so many collisions. So it's, it's really interesting that in a lot of places are starting to use those, those as a very, very popular method of controlling that. So I'll tell you, Wyoming has definitely been where I've had my closest encounters with, with antelope yep, and yeah. roadside mule deer. Exactly. Yeah. And so we know in Wyoming that at least 6,000 big game die a year wildlife collision and that, um, that's too many for us. Um, we know that we can, uh, change those numbers and improve the roadways and it's very expensive to individual drivers as well. And, you know, 6,000 more, um, big game on the landscape is a lot. And so we're yeah. working towards solving those issues. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, wanted to keep, keep it brief and just start with some very surface level, simple, things to, to get us thinking about Wyoming as an option for hunting in the West. Cause that's what, what my goal is here to bring in attention to Western hunting and, uh, what opportunities are out there and, and the things to things we need to, to get that done. So appreciate for your, your time. To the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God's country.